It's 11 minutes now after 8 p.m. It's our SMME exchange here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this week, we uh, uh, catch up with a uh, venture capital microfinancing fund that is looking at addressing uh, disproportionate capital funding opportunities that are available to young uh, uh, black female-led startups in the world of technology. And uh, I'm joined by the founder of Kula Lula, that's the name of the business, uh, Melissa Mabinza, who joins me now on the line. Melissa, good evening to you and welcome. Oh my goodness. Hi, Aya. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Well. How are you? I can't complain. Yourself? Good, I'm great. Good, 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 good. good. Melissa, before, before yes. we get into anything, Kula Lula, the name, uh, just maybe talk us through, I guess, the, the thinking behind the name uh, and how this particular uh, private equity fund came about. So Kula Lula, the name, is a play of my own name. My full name is Melissa Temba which means grow hope, and Kula also means grow. And that is where the name had come from. I wanted a name that was truly African and truly Tosa at the same time, like just to be a representation of my own tribe. Um, we are a private equity fund, mm. and uh, based on our fund structure, we are a pre-seed angel and venture capital fund that uses microfinancing to scale um, African women-led tech startups. Now, from mm. idea. So, so Melissa, wait, 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 wait. Oh. For us, for wait, wait, wait. for some of us uh-huh. maybe who might not be familiar with what precede precede means, what what is that? Okay, so what precede means is that um, we, while focusing on precede startups, we fund specifically startups that are still in their idea phase. They haven't gone to market. Mm. They haven't um, been incorporated as yet. They're still in idea stage. Um, why we choose pre-seed startups is because microfinancing works really well with pre-seed startups. Um, they're, really, sure, sure. they're really low barriers to entry and a low gross burn rate for them. Okay. All right. Um, and, and the thinking behind, I guess, the, the target cohort for some of uh, you know, your, your investments here. Talk us through that. Um, so the thinking behind uh, our target cohorts, why we wanted to invest in... Um, the e-commerce space was because we really wanted to um, get into microfinancing. And microfinancing only really works when there are low barriers to entry and as well as if it's possible to scale a business with the funds that we have available. So we had um, 200000 that we had allocated for this particular funding round. And um, we were looking at different ideas, even fintech. And um, e-commerce is really a space that has been taking off, especially if you see what has been happening with um, COVID-19, where um, there was a larger migration of consumers to online spaces. These are the type of things that we had taken into account. And this was even pre-COVID-19, because we had seen um, what COVID-19 had done in China at the time. And um, these are some of the considerations we had taken. And at the same time, we wanted black women who had um, simple ideas at that point um, and easy ideas to apply for our fund. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say a micro, uh, I guess a microfinancing fund, I mean, you know, some people might be thinking micro, 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 micro. Microfinancing means that like, we're f- it's funding of about 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. VCs are notoriously large. They, um, 
have funds of in the millions and up until billions even in order to fund the startups they invest in. But microfinancing is much smaller than that. It um, is really a fraction of what larger VCs do. But it does work and it works really mm-hmm. well. We've seen it in the U.S. and um, we've even seen it applied by like accelerators and incubators locally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now you 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 ran a competition uh, not so long ago. Uh, talk us through how how that process went, and uh, uh, I guess the the ultimate winner of that, which is Native Nylon, uh, an entity founded by uh, Porsche Zamini, uh, which uh, we understand launched or is expected to launch this month. Talk us through the process of the competition, and uh, of course the uh, then the award to the ultimate winner, uh, which was Native Nylon. Yeah. So in January this year. We opened our applications publicly for black women founders um, in the tech space to apply for about 200,000 rands in funding for their businesses. And we received such an overwhelming response, like there were so many girls that had applied and people were inquiring. People who had even never applied for funding in the past considered us as their like, first place to af- apply for funding. And then COVID-19 mm. came along and that really like shook up our processes and our systems a bit and we had like a degree of uncertainty as to whether like will we move forward um will we stay frozen in where we are but again having seen what COVID-19 had done in China because that is where everything had started that really gave us the confidence to move forward with an e-commerce store so once the lockdown regulations had eased we then decided to host our um interviews and pitches and that's when we selected Native Nylon. And Native Nylon stood out to us because um, they really had um, had a great pitch. They had a great interview as well. And their application was um, what we were looking for. Um, Native Nylon's idea mm. is also based on bridging the gap between luxury and affordability. And this business model has worked really well with stores like Zara and um, stores like Telfar, Kai Collective, House of CB. And in us conducting case studies and seeing that it does work, we then decided that um, they're most aligned with what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, I mean, when you put it like that, because I think one would think that there's certainly sort of not necessarily new, novel or unique areas of economic activity. But embedding, I guess, a tech platform onto some of them is able to change you know, the uh, risk-reward matrix and even, I guess, the cost uh, uh, implications of going into different models. Uh, this is an e-commerce business. Um, are you looking, mm-hmm. I guess, in the future investments to go into similar or synergistic type investments uh, that are able, I, I guess, to create uh, s- some synergies between the, the entities you invest in? Yes, we definitely are looking into that. We also are interested in, like, exploring fintech platforms that can be integrated on stuff like um, native nylons pages and stuff. And also we were considering having adjacent businesses like um, a retail mm. pharmacy. With our next funding round, I think it might be focused on fintech as well as um, like an online pharmacy. Okay, all right. Melissa, I want us to pause here for a second and take a quick spot break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll uh, certainly continue uh, with our conversation, uh, speaking to a uh, venture capital microfinancing fund called Kula Lula. And I'm in conversation with its founder, Melissa Mabinza will continue after this. 
21 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. It's our SMME exchange, and this uh, evening uh, we're in conversation with the uh, Venture Capital Microfinancing Fund uh, that is uh, aiming to address the disproportionate capital funding opportunities that are available uh, for uh, startups that are led by young black females in the world of tech. And uh, I'm joined by the uh, founder uh, of the uh, fund. Uh, its name is Kula Lula, and uh, Melissa Mabinza is the founder of the fund. And Melissa... If, yeah. if I'm to maybe go, I guess, to, to uh, uh, your current investment, um, yeah. one of the that you've committed to is to focus on ensuring that, uh, uh, you know, the investee's business is able to enter the market and con- uh, generate consistent revenue. What are the kinds of tangible support that you provide to some of your investees to make sure that they're able to achieve that? So what we've done with Nato Nylon, because I think that we're the best example being the first, is we provide a Porsche with so much mentorship, as well as the fact that we focus on collaborating with her. When she brings her ideas and pitches her ideas, mm. and um, like if she has tasks to do, we give her guidance on how to um, apply those tasks and how to approach those tasks, as well as um, we give them financial support in the sense that um, the CFO function is completely absorbed by uh, Kula Lula for now, um, since they're starting out. And also in the interim period, we provide them with reports of how much they're spending and um, how much money they've burned to date. So there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just uh, capital that we provide. Mm-hmm. Now, now a lot of our listeners might also be asking, I guess, questions around sort of what stake you take. I mean, uh, yes, you're sort of a, a, a microfinancier and uh, you take a certain stake in the entity. I understand it, with Native Nylon, you've come up with a certain valuation and therefore how much you've put in uh, is also a signal of your stake in the entity. Mm-hmm. Talk us through how that process unfolds. So it would differ from um, time to time. But in terms of Nathan we've taken a 50% stake in um, the business. And also there are um, a few, um, what is this? There are a few like regulations that we have in place and agreements that we have in place. That's the word I was looking for. Agreements we have in place whereby she'll still have the first right of refusal. If I want to sell those shares or she wants to sell her shares, I still have the first right of refusal. So there are also a lot of protections that Mm. we have in place for the owner so that they can still own their business in future if that is something that they want. So we wouldn't just sell to someone else. But um, with future funding rounds, we would also be open to negotiating. It won't always be 50%. It could be 20%, could be 10%, mm. depending on what we're looking for and depending on the maturity of the business at the time. Sure, sure, sure. And maybe a last one, uh, uh, Melissa, before we let you go. Uh, I mean, a, a big part of what you've spoken about and, and some of the work that you're trying to do here is to not only just change the demographic profile of people who receive investment but it's also to change how we measure what matters and and what impact is in the space talk to us about how that looks i mean um, be it the metrics or even i guess the timeline to scale and all of that yeah we really want to shift and change what venture capital looks like um, we really wanted to be a space whereby we're expanding access to not only um, black women, but also disadvantaged communities who can access it a little more easier because we're so used to only having access to mostly accelerators and incubators. And mm. um, there are these undertones in the private equity space that were too risky to invest in on day one. 
And I think that um, expanding access in access in private equity includes giving us access to these other spaces like venture capital through using microfinancing for now up until we can build ourselves to a space whereby we're accepted fully. Mm, mm. Melissa, we'll have to leave it there. I wish you all of the best and uh, your investing company as well, Native Nylon. Um, And maybe just, I guess, a a final plug. Where can people find uh, some of the uh, work that Native Nylon uh, undertakes and uh, uh, I guess uh, as I said you know all the best for Kula Lula and also some of your future investee companies as well yeah so Native Nylon can be found on all social media platforms at Native Nylon and Kula Lula can also be found on all social media platforms at Kula Lula or you can visit kulalula.com okay thank you bye Cheers. That there was uh, Melissa Mabinza. She's the founder at uh, Kula Lula speaking to us about uh, uh, some of the work that they're doing there. And uh, certainly not just about trying to reach a a target demographic that is often underrepresented in uh, the allocation of capital, uh, but to also, uh, I guess, uh, shift the needle on what success looks like uh, and do so in a manner that is, uh, I guess, relevant and is able to resonate with our own ecosystem here in South Africa. 26 minutes it is now after 8 p.m. We take a brief break. When we come back, we catch up with the Communication Workers Union. Aubrey Chabalala, the General Secretary, joins me, and we're going to talk about what's happening at SABC.